Well, I was uh, planning in the last messages of the year to come back and touch on a couple of the basic uh, elements of the Christian life. And today is no exception as we look at a message I've entitled, Persist in Prayer. Persist in this uh, discipline of prayer. It's essential that uh, you do that and that I do that as we belong to Jesus Christ. I mean, it was Ian Bounds who wrote years ago, to be little with God is to be little for God. And I don't know, know about you, but uh, as I live and the days seem to fly by and the reality of heaven becomes more dear as more and more of my friends uh, make the migration and instantly go to heaven, that uh, in the preciousness of time, I want to be used for the Lord's glory to the best of my ability. And when I read the Word, I discover that uh, the discipline of prayer in the life of, the, of a disciple of Jesus is essential. This is not optional. It's not for your pastor. Okay, he prays for us and that's all. And I do. And I pray for many of you this morning by name. I did. And I do. And I do very often throughout the week. It's a privilege and a responsibility. And also for you to let me know things that are in your heart and life. It's an honor for me to pray for you and remember that. It's not just for pastors and elders, though, and deacons, and other leaders and Sunday school teachers and youth work. It's for all of us to grow up in this thing. You know, I mean, think about it. God has given us the ability and the mindset to be able to communicate and to speak. I mean, he's the, he's the great communicator. He's given us language, and then at Babel, the diversity of languages and, and uh, the ability to read God has given us his word, so we read his word, and he speaks to us with the Spirit of God and grows us up. It's amazing. And then, and, and then daily, if you know Christ the Lord as Savior, you ought to develop, be, all, be, be developing the discipline of prayer. It ought to be increasing in your life. I'm not saying you don't uh, go three steps forward and two back, and you fall back, and you pray, and you determine, and then you stop, and Hey, you know, much of life is starting up again. You know that, right? Isn't it? It is. Get up. I was talking to uh, this morning about uh, much of life as you get knocked down. It's like a football game. Boy, didn't Ohio State do a job. Dan was all excited yesterday about that. You know, on football, you get knocked down, right? You get knocked down on the field. I got knocked down plenty of times. Get up. You get up again. You get up. A righteous man falls. Get up. Start again. Now, you know it's essential. Now, here's the important thing. You'll never grow to be a man or woman of Christ if you don't learn to develop in the discipline of prayer. Never. You won't, it won't happen. You'll always hang on the periphery. You know, you kind of be out there, and then when the, the ebb and flow in life comes and the, and the valleys and the dark days hit, you're going to be hanging out there. You won't have that firmness, that solidness. Don't you like people that are solid? They're not wavering all over the place, you know? Way, you know, like just kind of like an elastic band. There they go again and come back. Solid people. We need solid people. You need to be a solid person. And this is like 101. I'm not going to say anything today that probably most of you don't already know. But most of us just need to be encouraged again. As we're coming to the end of this year, we're going to begin a new year, the Lord wants to be developing as disciples in the disciplines of prayer and not give up and not be wimpy. Oh, I pray twice. Oh. <laughs> Go back to kindergarten again. Grow up. Come on, grow up. 
Say, I'm busy, I'm too busy. You're too busy then. Say, I'm too busy to pray. Or, you know, we'll, we'll talk about excuses. I'm going to let you tell me some of the excuses. Why we don't do it. Confession's good, isn't it? Good. And if you're thinking it, everyone else has already thought it. So you might as well just fess up. And why we don't pray. I just, oh, I just can't do it. You know, I can't stay, fall. I keep falling asleep. You know, like, uh, <laughs> Jesus had disciples. Like, couldn't you watch and pray for an hour? Lord, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> he's going to be arrested and executed within hours, and they're like, you know, the Sandman visits, right? And all kinds of excuses we make. Start up again. Listen, I want to be a part of a church family that's a praying church and knows what it is to seek and pursue the heart of God. And it means that you and I have to get serious. You've got to think rightly about it. God welcomes you, invites you, looks for you. Don't be AWOL. Where is he again? AWOL. Okay, mark it down. Absent. Without leave. I want to be one of those where the Lord talks about, I'm a rewarder. Rewarder. Don't you like to get a reward? A rewarder of them that diligently seek me. That's, that's what the text says over and over and over again. It was Jesus in Matthew 7 taught, ask and seek and knock. He invites us to pray. And we'll see the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who created prayer, the one whom, whom through we pray, praying. That ought to motivate us and convict us and finally maybe move us to start again or to continue in this thing, talking to our Heavenly Father on the things in our heart and life. Well, persistent prayer, so important. What... Uh, what do, what do I mean by persistent prayer? Let me give you, a, before we uh, go further here, but what do I mean by persist? It's in the title, persistent prayer. Per, you might write this down on the back. Uh, uh, number one, it means spending daily time alone with God in prayer. Remember, here, here are the words of Jesus again, right? Go into your closet, shut the door, pray in, in secret, and the Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you openly. It's quiet time in prayer. It's personal time in prayer. It's making time. It's seeing the essence of it. You know, it's amazing to me how many people, I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time for prayer. I'm busy. You know, I'm important. I'm this and that. You know, and we're all busy, right? And isn't it amazing how you get a bad report from the doctor? I mean, a bad one. And all of a sudden, you find time for prayer. Have you ever noticed that? All of a sudden, there's time for... And you know what else they usually find? They find, I have time to exercise now. It's amazing how that works. He says, you're a cardiac arrest waiting to happen. You better start exercising. I am? It's amazing. Five days a week, they're on the treadmill. Could never find time before. Same thing with prayer. How important it is. Number two, what is persistent prayer? It means coming to Him with our personal needs. Like what? Our provision, our, he taught us, our daily bread, and all the physical things that we need for protection, for peace. A lot of times we're stirred up and have no peace. For grace, for power to just live and to serve him. And finally, we may need to just ask for persistence. Lord, I'm just so faint-hearted in a way. I'm so wimpy, Lord. Make me sturdy in this. 
that I would be a persistent warrior of yours, a, a gladiator for God in, in this thing. And, and, and just give me background and stability and persistence so I don't quit after Tuesday. I'm going to promise you today, but Wednesday's coming. I'm a, Lord, make me persistent so that I make the importance of my daily quiet time with you. Number three, what else does it mean to persist? It means praying for your families. You ought to be praying for your families. Husbands for wives, if you're married, uh, you ought to be praying for your children, grandchildren, if you have them. Cover them with your prayers, like Job. He prayed for his kids. God was pleased. Consider my servant Job. There's none like him. That's what I do. Pray for God's blessing, his enablement, his working in their life, that they would be saved and grandkids saved and all the rest. God hears those prayers. You know, he hears that. He hears every word you say. We live and move in his presence. Oh, I'm with you always. He does. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends and their needs. Pray for your church. We want to be a praying church. We want to be at Grace Church. Man, there are people that know how to pray. That's a mature, growing church. That's what I want to be a part of. You know, like Spurgeon said it. My, you know, they were saying, uh, why is this preaching? So Spurgeon always said, my people pray for me. You know, they pray for the Word of God to find root into the hearts of the people. And I need your prayers as pastor. Faithy needs your prayers. Our children need your prayer. We need to pray for one another. We need to be a praying church. Pray for our work of our missionaries, the Cameroonian pastors. Pray for them this morning to make inroads there in Cameroon. And for the Vermilias and Patricio down in South America. Pray for the work of the ministry. I pray for pastors around the area that the God would give them great days of, of speaking into the culture, into the hearts of God's people, and that people would be saved. I prayed that way today. I need to pray. God's method for the advancement of the church is on our knees. That's what Satan fears. If he keeps you off your knees, <laughs> all right. There's another wimpy soldier of the cross. They're not a praying. They're not engaged. Paul talks it grappling or wrestling with God in prayer. That's what it is. We want to be that kind of people. So we need to pray for our families, our church, even as Jim has mentioned, our country, as they deal with Korea and all that. We need to pray for wisdom, grace, and care. And finally, for persist. Persist in this. Even, continue in it, even when you don't feel like it. Don't be driven by your emotions. Like, I, I just don't feel like it today. You know, look, I never feel like brushing my teeth at night. I'm so tired. Faith, I'm just getting in there. She's always glad I did before. I, she doesn't ask me, you brush your teeth? You know, I, just, I don't go by what you feel. A lot of people do that with exercise. Well, I just didn't feel like, you know, today. So what? I don't often feel that way. I'm always glad after it's done. Right? Most of the time. Unless I pulled something or hurt something, right? Isn't that the way it is? Don't go by your feelings. Don't be a wimpy like that. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Do it because God commands us to pray. Let's grow up in this thing, all right? Let's be a praying church. Pray for our loved ones, family, country, and each other. Well, persistent prayer. Last week, let me introduce our message. And last week... The Lord blessed us by answering our many prayers for the harvest offering. Praise God for that. We need, we need to thank the Lord that he gave us the ability, the job to earn the income, and work so in our heart 
that so many, we're not stingy, but we live to give. We want to do that. Praise the Lord for that. Who's the people that could do that? God did it in us. Praise the Lord and for his provision. Yet the truth be told, here it is, most of us find it hard to pray. Isn't that true? Let alone to keep on praying till we get the answer. And there are many reasons for this. None of them are any good. Some of them include, and let me give you a few, I've already touched on some, our physical weaknesses. We grow tired of watching and waiting in prayer, right? So we fall asleep. Listen, give yourself a break. I don't, I don't mind that. If when you pray, you fall asleep in prayer. I, I think it's a wonderful thing. Have you, when my children were younger, and uh, I held them, and they were tired, and perhaps we would be talking, and maybe they're in the rocking chair, and they fall asleep. That's a beautiful thing, really. To fall asleep talking to your Heavenly Father. Don't feel guilty about that. Now, if that's what you're always doing, and that you don't have, you don't have times really wrestling with God in worship and in prayer and intercession, supplication, and all that, then that's a problem. But don't give yourself a break. It's all right to do that. It's all right. But uh, let that not be the sum total of all you're praying. Our lazy lack of discipline. We're lazy as a people. Uh, and we ought not to be. We don't make time to be alone with God. You ought to schedule that. Some of you are into your schedulers. Uh, if you look at my daytime, I write in my worship time every, every single day. I've done it for so many years I don't need to, but I just uh, I, I write it in. Block off that time very early in the morning. Jesus rose a great while before the sun came up. And I often am rebuked in my heart, if he needed to do that, desired to do that, then how much more should we do that? I think a whole lot more, right? And uh, he scheduled that time, and so should we. How about what else? Our callous indifference to the world around us. It should drive us to prayer, but we just really don't care much. We don't pray for those around us that we work with in our neighborhood by name. We're, we're just, I don't know, we're... we're or we're just, we're not being where we ought to be in our thoughts and in our hearts. We're not driven to prayer. We don't recognize uh, that it's God that opens the heart and convinces of sin, righteousness, and judgment and draws new birth into the hearts and lives of men and women, boys. We need to. We, not, we need to be tender hearted, not indifferent to those around us. Our false sense of independence. Uh, we don't think we need it. I'm doing all right, Lord. When I need you, I'll call out to you, right? I'm just the sort of the independent guy or girl that the world worships. Uh, no, that's wrong too. How about our lack of faith in the promises of God? I just don't believe it. I just, I did one time, but I gave up and made God shake us out of that faithless lethargy, if you will, and to be men and women that trust him for great things. How about our outright rebellion, our sin? I mean, our sin keeps us from him, right? When we sin, we know it in our heart, convicts us in our... It ought to drive us to ask the Lord to cleanse us and to wash us, First John 1, 9, to find that cleansing so that we are joyful. That the, Psalm 32, 1, that, that we're the people that have our hearts cleaned and cleansed again. And so it ought to be that way. It ought to drive us to prayer uh, as we daily inspect our own heart and the health of our heart. Uh, but... Uh, our rebellion will keep us. And finally, our lack of follow-through. We just lose heart. You know, not, 
We're a lot of sprinters in the Christian life, right? We're good at the 50-yard dash. Here I am. I can make it to Thursday. But how about 20 years? We need marathon men and women that run the distance, that really know what's important in life and engage in the real battle. That's where the victories are won. They are. They're won in your life and your family. Listen, there's something amazing that I've watched uh, in my own prayer life uh, through the years. As I get on my knees and cry out to God, it's amazing what happens to my heart. My, there is such a growing joy in my heart and in a likeness to God that God creates in me. It tenderizes my heart, tunes my, my way of thinking in my soul, uh, tune my heart to sing thy praise. It happens when you pray. You seek him and you bear your heart. And you tell him of your disappointments, of your longings, your fears, your burdens, your needs. Lord, I'm stupid. I can't, I've done everything I can for this exam. I don't know if I can do it. Help me, Lord. Give, touch my mind to be able to remember the things I've studied, that I can do well on that. Or issues at work or in family. All of these things are so important. Lord, help me in this thing. Help me so I don't lose heart. I said it, you'll never grow up in the things of Jesus until you develop a well-developed prayer life. We'll talk about one of the ways you can do it is have a journal and write in it daily or a prayer book of some sort where you write your, your prayers in it, make them measurable, you know, and, and, then, and, then, and then open that and pray for that or the needs of loved ones and family and and I've done that through the years, and it's the most wonderful thing to see in time how God has answered so many of them. He does, and God always answers prayer. Sometimes he says, yes, praise God for that, don't we love that? And we learn about God. That Sometimes God says no, and you know what that's like. As a parent, I certainly know what that's like. I didn't certainly indulge my kids and give them everything they asked for. That'd be crazy. You turn in your parent badge if you do that. You know, a lot of stuff they ask for, it wouldn't be good for them or wouldn't be good for them now. And so you go like, no, I don't think so. No way. You know, you're not getting it. And God knows that. And he's up to a greater purpose to glorify himself and to exalt our Lord Jesus. So he says, no. But you know what? I've learned a lot of times God says, not yet. It's not yet. It's not the right timing Keep seeking me. And while I seek him, he, he refines my heart and makes it more like Christ. And I become ever more aware that I am totally dependent on him, and that I marvel. And the things that I wait and pray for long become even sweeter than when he finally delivers an answer. And he often answers in ways that are far beyond what I was asking. I was thinking this, and the odd went way over. And it's wonderful. And some, some, most, many Christians are, are not even engaged in this and to our shame. I want to encourage you today, every one of you, to, to, to leave this place saying, I want to glorify the Lord in my life by, by seeking Him every single day. And not shut my eyes at night if I've not got on my knees and prayed. We used to do that, didn't we? We used to teach our kids, kneel by your bed, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul today. And, and, and a lot of these young prayers we would teach our children. Do that. Make sure you do that. 
It's so important. Well, Jesus knew us well enough to know that we would struggle with persistent prayer. And so he told a parable telling us that we ought always to pray, always to pray and never lose heart. Take your Bible, look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. We're going to see this parable. It's, and really it unfolds in the two, part, two parts of Jesus' story, encouraging us to persist in prayer and to never give up. Don't say uncle, uncle, uncle. We'd wrestle at home and, and bodies be flying around and my father would be causing the boys to scream and yell and my calling for mama. Mama wouldn't come at all. And I thought I was going to die, lost my breath more than once, right? Say uncle, uncle. My brother would never say uncle. He was so stubborn. But uh, a lot of times we say uncle, don't we? Uncle, we just started. Don't give up. Don't give up. Never give up. Never persist. Let's read the account in Luke's Gospel 18 and hear the word of the Lord Jesus, the word of the Lord. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. And he said, here it is, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, this judge said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord Jesus said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? On the earth. There are two parts in this simple story that many of you have heard before in the past that we need to be reminded of uh, so that we persist and not give up in our prayer life. The first part is Jesus makes good use of a bad example. And it is a bad example. I don't know if he was reading like, uh, like I love to read newspapers. I could read three a day if I had the time. I love newspapers. I don't know if I'll ever do the, do the digital thing with newspapers. Being an old carrier boy myself for years, I like the smell of it. I like to hold it open. I like to open it, be the first to open it, right? I don't know if the Lord read this story in the Jerusalem Post, but, uh, or it was completely fictitious to teach a spiritual point or not, but he makes uh, good use of a very bad example, this unjust judge. He begins this in A by telling the purpose of the parable. Uh, in verse 1, keep praying and don't give up. And, and this is unusual in our Lord's teaching of his disciples because uh, usually he'll tell the story or the parable, and at the end, if he didn't, he tells them the reason he told it. But here it's unusual in that he tells it right at the beginning. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, then he says it. It's like the old way of preaching, you know. The preaching the sermons, the old preacher would say, I'm going to tell you the, the point of the sermon, then the sermon, then I'm going to tell you why I gave this sermon three times. Well, the Lord here, for emphasis sakes, 
doesn't want them and us by 20 centuries later to miss it. I'm going to tell you this because I want you to pray. Now, that's Jesus' statement to every one of us if you know Christ. Okay, I pray. And not give up. Don't say uncle. And do whatever you have to do to stay at it, to engage in this important work that advances the kingdom of Christ and the work of God and praying for the things that we need to be praying about. And so he tells us that right at the first. Uh, B, Jesus tells, there are three, there are three personalities in this. Uh, I'll just identify it. One, you have the crooked judge. The second one, we'll notice you have the widow. And finally, of course, you have God. God the Father, as Jesus is telling the story. Well, this crooked judge, this judge lacked two qualities essential for justice. Uh, true justice, that is. Uh, he didn't fear God, nor did he care about people. Didn't fear God. Fear God. That's a wonderful thing, you know, to have a healthy respect for the God that is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of a life of wisdom and seeking him and serving him. It is the fool who says in his heart, no God, or does not fear God. And there, we live in a day like that, right? People say all sorts of of idiotic, fool-hearted things about life, about God, about all this. And you know it. We live in that. This man didn't fear God. Uh, he was unlike uh, the judges that King Jehoshaphat appointed uh, to be judges. And I have Second uh, Chronicles 19, and Jen has put that on here for us. Let me show you what it says. This is what, they sh- what he should have been like. Um, uh, here, Jehoshaphat, king, tells the judges, he told them, consider carefully what you do as judges because you are not judging for man but for the Lord who is with you wherever you, whenever you give a verdict. Now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Judge carefully. For with the Lord our God there is no injustice or partiality or bribery. And uh, that's what, they sh- what this judge should have done according to the word of the Lord, but he didn't. Now, too, in that day, legal remedies usually involved a bribe. I've been in some countries around the world. It's unusual in our land, though bribes do take place. They're not the customary. And if you've traveled much uh, and gone to some third world countries, they expect bribes, you know, to grease the, sli- the skid a little bit. Here's a 10, here's a 20, here's a 100, depending what you need. I mean, that's, uh, that's the order of the day in this day. Well, this uh, widow had nothing. She had nothing to give. She couldn't grease the skid at all, according to the text. Three, this judge, is, he's ungracious, he's unloving, he's unkind or unmerciful, he's ungodly, and he knew it. I mean, in 4b, he's saying, I don't fear God. I don't, uh, I don't uh, really give a hoot about people. You wonder why he's a judge. He probably bought the, the judgeship from somebody. He did the only thing, he did the, the right thing only <clears throat> when it was in his self-interest to do so, like so many. He was utterly selfish to the core. Me, myself, and I. And he stood in the place of God and of Christ, the judge, the eternal judge, 
and it was perverted judgeship. We live in a land that has a lot of perversion in the court and a lot of injustice in the name of justice. And this man was just like that. And so we see the second person in this parable, and that's C. Jesus tells of the widow who wanted and needed justice, and she would not stop fighting until she got it. Her situation, you might say, was, was desperate. She was at the end of the rope. Being a widow in that society, as in many societies, uh, she was extremely vulnerable. You know, the Bible calls us as a people to be particularly on the lookout for three types of people. And we ought to do that as a church family, and we do. The elders, we do that, and all of us in our lives ought to do that. The three types are the widows. We ought to have a special love and care and try and protect and care for widows. And and I might include in that widows who uh, perhaps have young children whose homes and marriages have been ravaged and they're trying to care for their own. We need to care for that. The second, not only the widows, but the orphans where they have no fathers, orphans, no parents, and they're particularly vulnerable, as you can imagine. And we ought to have a heart for that, and look for that, and draw them in, and father them as surrogate godly men and women, caring, opening our homes. And the third group that the Scripture calls us are the foreigners, those that are aliens in the land, that have no families and cousins and all of that. They're sort of all alone. And so three groups of people that are particularly vulnerable. Well, this woman was a widow, and she lacked power. She, she had no, no means by way to find a standing before this court. But she did have one thing going for her, didn't she, according to Jesus? She had her persistence, and she wasn't afraid to use it, was she? She kept coming and coming and coming. Maybe she was in his courtroom every day. Maybe she went to visit the front step of his doorway at his house uh, day after day after day. Goes out to get the Patriot News, and there she is sitting there. Goes out to get his mail, and she's sitting there, and she, uh, she walks his block and neighborhood all the time. And for every time he looks, there she is. She's, she's persistent. And she wasn't afraid to use it. She gave herself to it. She wouldn't take no for an answer. She wouldn't. And eventually she wore him down, didn't she? She wore him down. And someone said, and I have in quotes in your sheet, if we keep asking for something long enough, sometimes we can get what we want, right? Some women will do that, right? They'll date a man for years, and, and he's a, maybe afraid to ask the big question, and and she'll wear him down with hints and words and other things. And, and finally, she brings him to the point, right? And he, he, he pops the big question. And she wore him down. Now, that's not what you want to do, ladies. You don't want to do that. You, don't want, you want to think, yeah, he made the move. He's all man. And, and I love that about him. And I didn't manipulate that, make that happen. You know, children master that, don't they? Don't they master that? Mommy, 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 I've lost my marbles. Give, give the child what they want. I can't take it. I, uncle, I give up, right? They wear us, wear us out. Well, it's amazing, too, if you don't have kids around and uh, there's a little child there, maybe in the mall or something, hanging on the mama's pants, 
And he looked at it saying forever and ever, Mama, Mama, Mama. And the, mo- and the mother is like, doesn't hear it anymore. It's like, and you go like, I'm going to lose my mind if that child says it again. You know, <laughs> oh, children learn what that is. They don't have any power. They have no standing, right? But they do have persistence, and they learn to use it. And why? They get rewarded, not always, but a lot. They get cookies or pies or, <laughs> or get a pair of cleats for, I remember there's a boy Started early. I want football cleats this year. I'll start that early before my birthday. And uh, lo and behold, I won't tell you how that worked out. But, uh, but uh, anyway, the judge figured out, uh, he gives her what she wants in five. Uh, he figured, he finally figured out it would cost him less just to give in. I, I, just, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to live a lot less years. She's worn me out. That's the point. So he gave it to her, not because it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do, but that's not, that wasn't his motive, was it? It was because I want to get rid of this lady. She's driving me crazy. Well, there's a second part. Not only does Jesus make good use of bad example, but now Jesus' second part, he's, he's going to drive it home into our hearts uh, where he urges us to keep praying. Why? Because God the Father is... Completely unlike this judge. Isn't that encouraging? Completely unlike this judge. It's a lesson in contrast for us. You think God the Father's like him? No way. Be encouraged. He's completely the opposite. The contrast couldn't be any greater. For what is God's character like? He touches on it briefly. God, our Father, is just, number one. He's always on the side of right. He is always our final court of appeals. You know, our Supreme Court receives so many uh, possible appeals, but uh, with their calendar and time and all that, are only able to take but a few of those. Only a few. I'm reminded our Heavenly Father with the with the going-ons of life and the heartache and the loss and disappointment and the injustice that happens at work and families and life and neighborhood and all of it. He never says, oh, I'm sorry, I only have room for 50 this year. Nah. He is always our court of appeals. You can always appeal. He invites us to do that. He is just and right and always does the right thing. Often we have great frustrations in life. Justice is not done. Ungodliness triumphs, or it seems, for a while. We can pray, for God sooner or later will right all wrongs. And finally, we'll do it when his kingdom comes, for which we were told and taught by the Lord to pray. Thy kingdom come, your will be done. Don't you love that? Genesis 18.25, I remember when I... First uh, bumped into this verse many years ago now, but what a great verse. And, and, and here's Abraham talking to the pre-incarnate Jesus before Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be destroyed. And Abraham is wrestling with him about this, this destruction, knowing his nephew Lot is living there with his family and and, and for the sake of 50 righteous living in that city, would you destroy that? And he appeals to the rightness and the justice of God. 
And uh, the Lord Jesus, the angel of the Lord there, in the, in the appearance of a man with the other two who were angels, said, no, not for 50. And you know the story. And in the midst of that, Abraham says, shall not the judge of the whole earth do right? And there's a great rhetorical sentence. Of course, he always does right. He's not like this unjust judge. And sometimes God writes it in our lifetime. But ultimately and finally, there'll be a day when all wrongs will be righted. And the day when Christ comes for us. He is just. Second, God is loving. He is loving. He knows his people by name. And he has promised to deliver us and save us. He's loving. We'll see that in the text in verse 7, where uh, Jesus tells that God will take care of his chosen ones. That's the idea of God's elect ones. You see, the widow here is nameless. And uh, I think that's important. As far as this judge is concerned, she was an absolute nobody. She was a nothing. If she was a somebody, he would certainly have cared for her. It would have been to his advantage, but she was a no-name nobody. But God is not only just, but he's also loving. And he calls his sheep out by name. Do you know that God knows your name? He knows your fingerprints. He knows everything about you. Isn't that right? Dale Carnegie said, you are the sound of each one of our names is the sweetest sound in the whole language to hear your name. And that the Lord should someday, the Lord Jesus, call you by name. Say, come here. Come here, Terry. What, what, could there be anything so sweet as that? That he knows us by name. And when we pray to him, he knows us by name. He knows who we are. We are not nameless like this widow. And he invites us to come. And based upon the doctrine of election, we have a claim on God. I don't know if you ever thought about that. God has set his love on us from eternity past. God has called and, and called out a people. That's the name of the church, the ecclesia, the, the called out ones. God has called us out by name, John 10. And he knows his sheep and he cares for his sheep. And he has a great plan that includes all things. And it's a, it's a great basis for a, a powerful prayer life. Do you know that? It is. I don't know if you ever thought about how the doctrine of election uh, ought to motivate you in your prayer life. Well, how is it? On your sheet, I have this ought to provide us with more confidence to keep praying for the things that God has put in our heart. We might pray something like this. Listen to my prayer, Father, because you have chosen me to be your beloved child. You have chosen me. This is in my heart, and I want you to get all the glory. And so even before I pray, I know that, what? That God loves me, if you know Christ the Lord is your Savior, that he cares about me. We know that in the text all the way through. And that he's ready to act on my behalf and in the very best possible way. Now, Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good. I may not understand it, but he's up to something there. God is not only just, he is, but he's loving, completely unlike that unjust judge who could care less about that widow and her needs. And finally, what is God like? God is wise. He is wise. He is all wise. 
Not only is he omniscient, he knows all things. He has a plan that includes all things, but his wisdom. He uses his knowledge in the most appropriate, God-honoring, God-glorifying way. He's all wise. And this is especially true in regards, and we just slightly touch on this today, with timing. Timing is so important. You ever see that commercial? It's, uh, it made me laugh when I saw it. I think it was dealing with a stockbroker or something. Uh, this man and this woman are at a, at, they're out to eat dinner. And uh, <clears throat> she says something very sweet and loving to him, something like to the effect like, uh, and, and, and I love you very, very much. It's beautiful. And he, he sits there looking at her. It's for an uncomfortable period of time. It, it may have only been 10, 12 seconds. And in and, and his silence, she, she goes into tears, and I think she gets up and leaves. And then she, as, after walking away, he says, and I love you too. <laughs> Timing is so important, is it not? And God has a way of working all that together. Look, the, the, the place where you were born, where you were born, the fact that we should live in this, this country of ours and the privileges we have and, and the prosperity we have and the freedoms we have, these are wonderful gifts that God has given and can be easily lost. The, and, and the gifts that he's given to you, the abilities and the jobs, all of these things, these are God's... This, you're not a ship at sea with just floating around there. We're not on this planet Earth, and man, we're, there's life here and nowhere else, and, and man, this, we're on our own. Uh-uh. God's timing is perfect, and the details and the closer you look, the more amazed you will be. Amazing. God's time. He's all wise. And in the usage of his knowledge, and we give him thanks. And even though God's justice seems slow in coming, know that God is not ignoring us. Sometimes we think God doesn't care about me. He just is too busy, or he, or he's, or he just ignores us. Or his delay sometimes we think is denial. Not always. It could be not now, not this time. He'll do the right thing when it needs to be done. You can count on that, always. Always watch and pray for it. This timing is perfect. Pray, pray. Know that prayer is not a way of talking God into doing something. Don't think that. Talking him into something he doesn't want to do. That never happened. On the contrary, we persist in prayer, one man writes, because God is just, wise, and loving. He's a loving God who listens carefully, carefully when we pray, and will answer our prayers in the best possible way at the best possible time. And that's right. And so we persist. We don't, do not persist in prayer because God does not listen. You and I persist in prayer because he does listen, according to the word of the Lord Jesus here. Wow. Well, see in final, Jesus wonderfully illustrates persistency in prayer, does he not? Prayer filled his life. When he's a, a part of his ministry, uh, there, how many times the text says he got up a great while before dawn. He spent time in prayer with his Father in heaven. Um, he prayed. He prayed before he ate. Uh, 
Uh, we ought to always thank God for what we eat. And uh, you'll see that on the road to Emmaus. When he, got there, he broke bread and he prayed. And they recognized him. He prays. He prays uh, at all times, in all places. And then at the end of his life, do you notice that? He's closing his life out in prayer. There on the cross, commonly called seven words from the cross. Do you know that three of those involve prayer? You know, think about that. The first uh, prayer when they nailed him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's praying. It was a life of prayer. And then uh, a little while later, he prayed what? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Feeling the intensity of being made sin for you and for me. Alienated, separated, never had ever, ever happened. And feeling the loss of the fellowship of his father. And then he prays the last uh, utterance there, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. I commit my spirit. He committed himself to the very will of God, even at that point. And then he bowed his head and died at the appointed moment that he laid his life down. Nobody took it from him. He, his life was saturated in prayer. If, if you hear nothing else, if that was true of Jesus, the God-man who was without sin, who never needed to be saved, who knew so much more than we will ever know, that how much more should our lives echo forth with the flavor of prayer to God? It should. It should. It should. Wow. So keep praying. Don't lose heart. Remember, as the, one of the old writers put, prayer is, is the holy habit, the holy habit of the sanctified heart. And it ought to be. Trust him. Let me, let me just ask you, what, what are a couple of things that, that keep you from prayer? Let me just, can we do that? And we'll, we'll close here in just a, a minute. What are a couple of things? I may have touched on some things, but what are some things that you might want to echo, say? What keeps you from, in days gone by, it's true of you, it's true of all of us. Let's just remind ourselves on a couple of things. What, Raj? Changing my daily routine. Hmm. How's that? Changing your daily routine? I have to have my normal schedule up and something, I have to travel somewhere, or I have to do something. Yeah, that, that's a, that, that is a big issue. That is. And you have to be determined to work through that. You need a place and you need a time. I'm convinced that really helps. And if your, your schedule's changing, then you just have to be more persistent. It may change on that. All right, what else, Jim? Sin. Yeah. Vance Hathner, I believe, said that. Sin will keep a man from praying, or prayer will keep a man from sin. The big, big thing. Ron? I believe it's not an idol. Prayer is not up and thinking about what you're going to do about that. And if you have a serious problem, you actually forget and allow it to go to work. Yeah. Yeah, we're so much doing, doing, doing that Martha and Mary, you know, not sitting at the feet, you know, have to, yes. 
Yeah, self, our own agenda, our own, yeah, I can fix it, Mark. Yeah, when we keep repeating the same sin, the sin that easily besets us over and over and over again, and we shamefully, and we ought to be shamed about that, and I know what that is. And you come, and Lord, here it is again. We just give it back to the Lord, ask His cleansing, but He's faithful and just to forget. Lord, thank you for the Word. I don't know how you can stand me. I can't stand myself. I said that. Jonathan? All right, pride. Oh, boy. Everything's going well, Lord. I'll let you know when I need you. I got it figured out. We, don't, we may not say those words, but we act like that's true, don't we? Other things? Other things? And then, then yes. Yeah. How to pray. It's interesting uh, that that you would you would say that because out of all the things that are recorded in the word of Jesus and his disciples, that's the only things the disciples sensing such a lack in their own life of how to do it that they asked the Lord. They didn't say, Lord, boy, you're a great preacher. Teach me how to do that. Boy, you're the greatest teacher. Look at these crowds. They're signing up for extra classes. Never asked them. Out of all of it, they said, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? Teach us how to do that. Now, a little acronym on that, we have come ACTS, ACTS, like the book of Acts. You know, a good way to do that is adore the Lord first, adoration. C is confession. You have sin in your life, ask the Lord to search your heart and life and, uh, and bring it before Him and confess that and turn from it. And uh, now, if, if latent sin, do that first. Okay? I do that first and then adore the Lord. But A, C, and then T is thanksgiving. A lot, my prayers are filled with so much gratitude and expression of thanks. You know, and, and just give gratitude to the Lord and express it. It's just... And then finally, S is supplication. Bear one another's burdens. Pray for the needs and those that things around you. A, C, T, S, supplication. That's what that means. And, and if you... You, re, you, have, you want to make this much time, so you want to give an hour, maybe you want to give a half an hour, an hour, you want to begin to do this, then, then, then do one or the other, read the word first, and then go, go into a, find a place alone, shut the door, get on your knees and pray, and, uh, and, and ACTS is a good way, there are other ways, maybe you might take one day and, and pray for family, one day for country and government, military. Another day for missions. Yeah, a lot of variety is important. Variety is spice of life. And to pray for these things and needs and burdens. And uh, what can we, uh, Louis? What does the T represent? Uh, Thanksgiving. T. Thanksgiving. Adoration. Confession of sin. Thanksgiving. And then the S is supplication. That means you pray for others. Uh, anyone beyond yourself. If you're married, your mate. Uh, your children, grandchildren, neighbors, people you work with, people you're concerned about their salvation, you know, and so on. Uh, what can it, Jim? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's right, because this is something that is so important but seems to be so late in developing in in God's uh, uh, Christians. Uh, I know in my own life, uh, it seemed to be dragged along for a long time, even through a lot of years of school. And I I had uh, Larry Bird, a pastor in Bethlehem, a dear mentor, uh, who really helped me in this by his own example. And I saw something in him that I wanted. <clears throat> and the Lord connected some dots there that uh, if I really wanted to live and be used by the Lord, then if this is what it took, then I'll pay the price and I'll discipline myself. Uh, trot myself out of bed early when, you know, you like to roll over and thank you, Lord, for the blankets and the pillow. But get myself up. And I found that the, that discipline transferred in so many areas and God has taught me so many things about himself during those times of prayer daily. Mm-hmm. What are some things we can do, the last question I want you to help me, to help us in this? I talked about a prayer book. How many of you have done that? You've, you've written down a prayer list and things like that. Some of you have. Not, more you may want to try that and do that. That book is, becomes very wonderful. And when people say, well, God doesn't answer prayer, and you've got on your next to your Bible, little notebook, and it's got page after page where God has answered not all, but many of these things, and the date and how. You wrote that in. You go like, wow, God has met me. He's rewarded me in, in that, and persistent. What other things have you done, Mark? Yeah, it is, yeah. And uh, men's fellowship, uh, uh, prayer meetings, when you pray with others who are great prayer warriors and you listen in on their prayer, uh, it grows you up. Yeah, it does. Amen. Mark said that uh, you couldn't all hear. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that's really helped him grow is to be together with other uh, others who would pray. Uh, and and that, that's very needful. I love to have those that are more mature. I love to pray with them. I learn so much from them, as Mark indicated at uh, our elder and deacon meeting, where we get on our knees and pray. Kind of the highlight of our meeting as we pray for the needs of the body and pray for for things that God is up to and doing. And to pray together is so important that we might persist in this thing. Other things, what, anything else that you've done that help you uh, in a prayer life that's encouraged you and stimulated you? There's a, a verse in Timothy that talks about train up yourself uh, in godliness. I made a, had a little plaque, Faithy had that made, and I train up, it's like the athlete's uh, message. Train up yourself in godliness. For physical exercise has some profit. I'm thankful for that, right? But godliness has benefit both now and for the days to come. Al? I think
Yeah. Yeah, that's the First Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. And, uh, and, and, and I think I've learned through the years that our short prayers owe their legitimacy and power to the longer ones that precede them. <clears throat> what do I mean? Some of you need to pray when you drive. I've watched how you drive. You ought to be praying. You say, like, I pray when I drive. Don't let that be unless you're an over-the-haul, uh, long-haul driver. You know, I say, I pray for hours. Don't, and please don't shut your eyes. That's okay. You have my permission. Uh, those are good. And, and, and pray all the time. But there needs to be a time where you get in, like Jesus, shut the door, get down on your knees, and, and cry out to your Father in heaven. And that ought to be bedrock. And all these others are like, as we go along, as we walk along in, in the day-to-day day -day life and the things that come up and the burdens that hit us and the problems. And, uh, and I, great idea, Al. I just hitchhiked on another thought on that and, and so on. What, anyone else a suggestion what you do to help? Yes. Yeah. 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 Sometimes reading some portion of scripture to begin with. Yeah. So that may be valuable to read the word first before you pray, because it kind of gets your your thoughts and your hearts to where it ought to be, because they're usually daily far afield, right? Another thing too is uh, saints have used uh, hymn books or a chorus book or worship book, and and to sing a song. Well, uh, uh, as you enter into that worship time. It's a private worship time that you learn to develop that. I pray out loud. If I didn't do that, my mind would be, whew, it'd be all over the place. I'd be thinking about Buffalo Bills, hot dogs, boy, what's faith going to make for dinner? Oh, Lord, and be with our worship. To, and Lord, you know, you know, it'd be like that, right? And, and maybe you're not like me, but uh, I pray audibly like that. Go in, shut the door, and pray. It helps to do that. So go ahead, Pam. Um, in keeping with that last point about how your mind can drift in our reading, it's times when you go through dry periods and yeah. you can't pray. Yeah, that's right. You feel, but you can open up the Psalms and you can pray the Psalms out loud. Yeah. Out loud. I think it's very important. Um, it gets it into your heart. That, that's a good reminder. There are ebb and flow and there are dry times. And, there, and a lot of times dry times are times of uh, great bereavement and loss in shock, and, uh, you know, at such times, you're carried by the prayers of those that love you. They carry you. You need to be carried, and uh, there are times like that, and I, I know what those are. Yeah. Let, let's close a few lessons and let, let you jot down a few things. Thank you for all your help. Number one, determine today to set apart a time daily to meet the Lord. Determine today would you do that today? Say, well, I'm, I'm tired of being in kindergarten in God's school. I want to grow up. Enter into training. Come on, the season's on. Get down to the weight room. Get working out. Determine today to do that, to develop a quiet time with the Lord in prayer. Number two, if you stop praying again, start up again. Much of life is starting, should be not stirring up, but Although staring up to the Lord is good. Starting up again. Start up again. Some of you know what it is to die. You say, I've been on diet all my life. 
I've lost 495 pounds. No, you haven't. But you keep starting up again, and it's, look, this is more important than, than your waste. Start up. This is your soul we're talking. Number three, teach your family that God answers prayer. Here's a thought I heard. I love this idea that uh, maybe you want to encourage uh, your, your loved ones at home, uh, and, and maybe it's just you. You can have a, a jar, a candy jar or something like that, and as you pray, and as God specifically answers a prayer, put a jelly bean in there. And then when he does another, put another jelly bean in. Fill, watch that, that, that jar fill up with jelly beans. That's an, incidentally, it's an excellent idea for teaching children that God hears us and hears our prayers. And uh, don't, don't get in them and eat them if you have a sugar attack. <laughs> don't eat, you're eating God's answers to our prayers. You know, don't do that. But there it is, and set it on a shelf. You got all kinds of stuff on a shelf that means nothing, right? Put that there, and that's God's answering our prayers. Praise the Lord for that. Just an idea. Number four. Number four. Let's strive to be a praying church. Let's do that. And that, uh, that means that we've got to be praying and seeking the Lord every single day. And we come here with expectation to meet the Lord. And then we would say, surely the presence of the Lord is in it. Because what? God's people pray. Look, you want my preaching to get better? I need your prayers. I need your prayers. Lord, help this guy. He needs all the help he can get. Pray, pray that way. Would you do that? Let's pray. I promise, Faith and I promise to pray for you. We love you. And you know what? And praying for each other knits our hearts together that we might be, oh, how they love one another. You know, like we can be stinkers to each other, right? We can be. Not you. You look real good today, but you know. But when we pray to each other, for, or pray for each other, so the Lord has a way of binding our hearts together. That's why Jesus said, pray for your enemies. It's amazing what happens. It's hard to hate it when you're praying. And Lord, we ask you to bless. Uh, and in the period of time, the Lord melts that away, and you end up loving them, really. It's amazing. Number five and last, and we're done. Number five, perhaps you don't, you don't pray, and I just wondered, because you're lost. Maybe you're, you're not saved. You don't know the greatness and glory of God, our Heavenly Father, through the blood of Christ and the cross and the Lord's Word. Pray. He's the rewarder, them that diligently seek him. Oh, I encourage you today to receive Christ the Lord as your Savior. Oh, my, you're just starting to live if you never have. Today, if I can help you. Oh, if I can help you. That's what I want to do. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and be dismissed.